Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, we begin our Life Group Sermon Series on the Reformation. We'll look at various areas of our lives which can be reformed and consequently renewed. And today, it is our conscience. A reformed conscience enjoys the freedom of Christ's imputed righteousness and the opportunity to serve others. Now, imputed righteousness simply means we get credit for Christ's righteousness. The Christian church needs continual reformation guided by the gospel. Individual Christians need continual reformation guided by the gospel. And one area of the individual which needs to be reformed is the conscience. It needs to go from guilty to liberated. October 31st, 1517, this is often considered <clears throat> the birthday of the Reformation. That is when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. But the Reformation was bigger than one man and one day. In fact, there were several Reformations going on in the 16th century. There was the Magisterial Reformation, and this included both the Lutheran and the Reformed traditions. And it was called Magisterial because it needed the support of the local governments in order to be successful. Then there was the Radical Reformation. This included the Anabaptists who distrusted any civil authority. And then there was the Catholic Reformation. This is when the Catholics responded to the Protestant Reformation, beginning with the Council of Trent in 1545. But for our purposes, we'll stick with the Lutheran Reformation and hone in on the contributions of Martin Luther. In particular, we'll take a look at his various solas and how they can influence our lives. I like to refer to these as Luther's sola system. <laughs> there is solus Christus, Christ alone. All of scripture points to Christ and all of salvation was accomplished by Christ alone. Then there is sola scriptura, uh, scripture alone. The only way we're going to know and believe in God's love for us through Jesus Christ is through the Bible. Then there is sola gratia, grace alone. The only way we're going to get right with God is by the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Then there is sola fide, faith alone. The only way we're going to receive God's grace in Christ Jesus is simply to believe it. We don't contribute a thing. And then we'll wrap it up with soli deo gloria. To God alone be glorious. And when we realize what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, what else can we do but give him all the glory? Reformed conscience. What is a conscience? Well, a conscience is the impulse to follow through on one's convictions, whatever they may be. It's part of being human. 
That means our conscience is a gift from God, so it's important that we listen to it. And even though our conscience is tainted by sin, it is still important to listen to. Martin Luther wrote, to act contrary to conscience is equivalent to acting contrary to faith and sinning grievously. But the church at the time of the Reformation was burdening the conscience where scripture did not. It suggested that one needed to contribute to one's own salvation in order to be certain that they were saved. The emphasis upon such things as good works, indulgences, and compliancy put the burden of certainty on the individual. That's kind of scary. In insecure introspection, I would ask myself, am I good enough? Do I give enough? Am I obedient enough? And the answer is no. So my conscience becomes burdened. And the only way to ease my conscience and your conscience is when it comes to the certainty of salvation is to get off of ourselves. You see, the certainty of our salvation is found in the objective promises in God's word. The the certainty of our salvation is found in Christ Jesus. That's a load off our souls and a load off our consciences. The Reformation is also often credited with the rediscovery of the gospel. You see, the law had been dominant in the role of the church and in the lives of people. The law puts pressure on us. It demands and it accuses. No wonder our consciences become so guilty. The gospel, on the other hand, puts the pressure on God, and he is certainly up to the task. The gospel points to what God did and does in our lives. The gospel points to God's unconditional love for us and the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. The gospel points us to the cross. The gospel saves us. So the certainty of our salvation is found in the gospel and the source of a relieved and reformed conscience is found in Christ. But the Christ that the church was presenting at Luther's time was was not the Christ of Scripture. It was a scary Jesus. It was a judging Jesus. It was an unapproachable Jesus. It was a demanding Jesus who expected us to earn his forgiveness. Now, if that doesn't burden one's conscience, I don't know what does. It certainly burdened Luther's conscience, but then Luther's conscience became reformed when he encountered the gospel, when he encountered the Jesus of the Bible. That Jesus was gracious and not judging. That Jesus came to us and didn't wait for us to come to him. That Jesus comforts us and blesses us and frees us from our sins and thus frees us from a guilty and burdened conscience. That Jesus reforms our conscience. That Jesus certainly reformed 
Luther's conscience. And look at what a reformed conscience can do in a sticky situation. I would answer. Unless I am convinced by scripture and by plain reason and not by popes and councils who have so often contradicted themselves. My conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. I cannot. And I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. That was a scene from the Diet of Worms. Uh, Luther's reformed conscience gave him the boldness to stand up to the Pope and Charles V, who was the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. Oh, it got Luther excommunicated from the church and made him an outlaw of the state, but at least his conscience was free. <laughs> and there's nothing like a free conscience, a, a reformed conscience. Paul speaks to that free conscience, that reformed conscience in Galatians 5.1 when he wrote, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Ever been burdened by a guilty conscience? Ever felt sick to your stomach over something you've done? Ever feel weighed down by the yoke of slavery, the demands of the law? It's no yoking matter. Hand that yoke over. Hand that guilt over to someone who will take it from you and take it for you. Hand it over to Jesus. Listen to him when he says to you, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Hand over what's bugging your conscience to Jesus. He'll receive it from you. He'll relieve it from you. And he'll give to you instead his forgiveness and his righteousness. It'll pave the way for us to approach God with confidence. The author of Hebrews writes, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. With that reformed conscience, you can move forward, untethered from guilt. You are free. And that's the truth. We heard Jesus say in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So what to do with a, a free conscience, a reformed conscience? Martin Luther wrote, a Christian man is the most free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian man is the most dutiful servant of all and subject to everyone. A conscience freed by the yoke of Christ sets us free. 
that's that imputed righteousness, that, that passive righteousness we simply receive from Christ. No one can accuse us. No one can burden us as we live in the freedom of Christ's love. So don't let them. Rather, love them. A reformed conscience is free and empowered to, to love God and to serve our neighbor. That's an act of righteousness. That's when our regenerated heart cooperates with the Holy Spirit to do good. A reformed conscience is free and empowered to manifest the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, selflessness, and self-control. That is what a reformed conscience enables us to do. The Reformation rediscovered the gospel. Of course, the Christian church today may deal with different issues than the particulars of the 16th century. Uh, we're not so concerned with indulgences and purgatory and the power of the papacy. But for us, the deep issues remain the same. The free forgiveness of Christ through his death and resurrection the call to live a repentant life, the authority of Scripture in all we believe and teach, the power of the gospel, and the life of faith. To these we must still hold if we are to be faithful Christians, children of the Reformation and children of God in our hearts and in the church. And do it with a reformed conscience enjoying the freedom of Christ's imputed righteousness, as well as the opportunity to serve each other. Amen.